right, welcome back everybody to the next episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. Episode 67 of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. And this week, we go back for seconds. A second helping of Creed. Two. Creed two this week. We're looking forward to this movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, since it was announced, since the first trailers dropped. And uh, pretty good. I really liked it. Pretty good. Pretty I mean, solid sequel. It's not as good as the first, but no. how often can you say that it is? I can right. maybe think of one or two movies where I could be like, oh my gosh, the sequel was as good or better. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty solid. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. And before we get into uh, our discussion of Creed 2, we have two uh, beers that we're uh, having as we do the podcast. Yes. Uh, two beers from Von Ebert Brewing. From right. the heart of Portland's Pearl District. We uh, visited that place earlier today. Uh, interesting place, as it used to be called something else. Yeah. Uh, Fathead's Brewing, which we went to uh, quite a bit back in the day. Right. And you were actually I was a, a big fan. mug club member mm-hmm. back when it was Fathead. Yes. Uh, Fathead is an East Coast kind of chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, the owner of this location severed ties and started his own, which is Von Ebert. which is apparently named after one of the owner's grandma. Uh, yeah, different vibe, different beer. Um, Not that big of a different vibe, I would have to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, as far as the building itself and the place, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you walk in and it, it looks very similar. It has a very similar feel. Um, the menu is is a lot more uh, concise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's shorter. It's, it's kind of got its things that it's going to do really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, once again, all of its beers. Yeah. Right. And um, apparently most of the uh, the recipes for the beer um, did not belong to Fathead, mm-hmm. which we learned actually today. Yeah. Um, I thought that they were going to be just brewing completely new stuff. Yeah. Uh, because those recipes belong to Fathead. Uh, that's apparently not the case. Um, so, but they did. They definitely have branched out. I yes. would say a more European style of beer. Correct is what I what I noticed. Uh, but anyway, I think I go first this week. You do, and I am having from Von Ebert Brewing their Fresh Hop IPA. And when it comes to a Fresh Hop beer, uh, they are pretty hit or miss with me. And when I first tasted this, I was like miss. <laughs> But then, you know, I had had a little bit more of it, and it grew on me, and actually, I uh, quite like it. Um, It was made uh, from mosaic hops that were grown in Yakima, Washington, Mm -hmm. 7.0% alcohol by volume with 50 IBUs. Uh, Pretty good. It's, uh, I don't know, not the first beer I'd reach for ever, but Mm -hmm. it's, uh, as far as fresh hops goes, it's uh, pretty solid. Uh, Not overly hoppy or citrusy or anything. Um, and, uh, but yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Kind of like what I feel like Von Ebert is now. Their website says that they, uh, are replacing and improving on the Fathead's location. And to that, I just got to say, calm down, fellas. <laughs> You're not there yet. Yeah. 
Um, so I am, we, we both got beers from Von Ebert. Mm-hmm. Um, I am drinking the, the Sabrage or Sabrage. Right. We were having a fun. Sabrage. Yeah. We were having fun, uh, trying to pronounce it. Um, the bartender called it Sabrage. Um, and it's an IPA. However. I, yeah. However, it only has 10 IBUs. Yeah. I mean. I don't know how it classifies. Correct. But it definitely has a very hoppy taste to it. Mm-hmm. So somehow they got um, all of that hop flavor without the bitterness in it. And so I, I'm I'm confused and uh, intrigued. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. I was surprised you liked it as much as you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is uh, it is a Brut IPA, but Brut spelt B-R-U-T with the umlaut over the U. Like brut, the cologne. Yes. IPA with Yakima Citra, Oregon Chinook, and New Zealand Nelson Sauvin hops. So um, I I like it. I mean, again, we're all a little surprised since my typical um, IPA palette is the more IBUs, the better. Yeah. Uh, and yet, maybe it, it sounds like, and, and we saw this a little bit with the move towards hazy IPAs, where we were seeing a lower IBU, but still a lot of hop flavor. And this is definitely not a hazy IPA. No, not at all. Um, but we're definitely seeing a strong hop flavor without all of the, without the IBUs, without that bitter kind of bite to mm-hmm. it, which I like, and I get that not everybody does. So if you're looking for um, a hoppy beverage, um, but without that, that bitterness, I would definitely recommend it. So... Sabrage IPA. Okay. Apparently. All right. Yeah. A couple of beers from Avon Ebert. Give them a try. They'll have a lot of different rotating recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love their so. wings. Yeah. Like. The wings are still on. I am. I didn't see anything with the killer sauce though. No. Hopefully there's they... no killer sauce. <sighs> Man, that was so great. Anyway. So moving on. Yes. Let's talk uh, about Creed our Creed Two. Now, if you've never listened to us before, spoiler alert. Uh, we have come up with three of our favorite things about uh, the movie, and we haven't shared them with each other until this podcast. Uh, we don't hold anything back plot-wise as we discuss them. Right. Um, so, you know, forewarned is forearmed. You might hear, uh, you know, how this thing goes down. Well, and I, I guess I would have to say, for those of you who might be ready to be like, oh, I can't listen to this until I've watched the movie. I, I mean... It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say there's lots of surprises in no. this. So, uh, so don't feel like you're, if you listen to us, it's going to be Spoilerville USA and you're going to miss, a, you know, yeah. miss out on a major reveal. Yeah. If you go to this movie, you're going to see what's coming mm-hmm. before it gets there. Right. Yeah. But not in a bad way. No, not at all. I didn't think so either. So. All right. Okay, so. so this week, I think you get to go first. Yeah. So, so let's talk about Creed 2. Okay, so Creed 2, um, my first favorite thing about Creed 2, which involves pulling um, the Dragos, uh, Yvonne Drago uh, from Rocky IV. And I was really looking forward to this because I loved Rocky IV Mm -hmm. when it came out when I was a kid. 
uh, watching it as an adult now, it's just so over the top and almost goofy. Right. I was really looking forward to them pulling uh, that character into this more grounded reality that they established with the first movie mm-hmm. and seeing what they would do with that. And so there's a scene in this movie where uh, Yvonne Drago goes to Rocky's restaurant to meet, to talk to Rocky. Right. And uh, I wish this scene was longer. I wish there was like another one somewhere. But mm-hmm. I just really liked, you know, these two, you know, the these two kind of ghosts, you know, old ghosts of these old warriors, you know, who haven't seen each other in decades. You know, just the, you know... Rocky sitting across, sitting across the table. Other. Rocky's like, is that really you? Mm-hmm. You know, Drago's like, you know, because Rocky's got a bunch of pictures of his fights up and around his restaurant. And Drago notices a lot of those are nice pictures, you know, but I don't see any of us. You don't see any of me. And Rocky's like, just says, yeah, there's no pictures of that. Yeah. And it really shows, you know, how, you know, how that fight was different to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a darker thing. I was almost expecting him to maybe just kind of wash the sip pawn it off and saying, ah, well, the, the you know, communist, the Soviets, you know, because that was the Soviet Union back then. Right. The you know, Soviets wouldn't let us bring any pictures home or something like that. But he doesn't. They just, the way he just leaves it at, yeah, there's no pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Really leaves almost almost like a sinister feeling or just that it's something dark, you know. And, it's not a happy memory, you know. Yeah. It's not a proud moment yeah. for Rocky. Right. And, you know, I'm a little bummed that it was like, wasn't treated with a little more subtlety. It was kind of what I expected. You know, Drago's like, oh, my life was ruined after I lost to you and I blame you. Mm-hmm. You know, I was sort of done something a little bit more with it, but still. And I really like, I read this um, article with, um, why can't I think of his name? Um, Gotta help me out. Which? With uh, the. Um, the actor? Yes. Okay, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. There we go. <laughs> where he talked about, you know, never having to, this type of acting he was asked to do for this movie, where it was all internal, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't, he didn't say very much in mm-hmm. this movie, yeah, but it was all kind of in his face and behind his eyes, you know, and that kind of darkness and, you know, repressed anger. And he said, it was, that was very hard, you know, I, I didn't. You know, but uh, he was very happy with how it came out on film, and I would agree. I right. Mean, I wish there was more of it, but that scene, and especially, it juxtaposes. It goes back and forth between Rocky and Drago talking in the restaurant, and Adonis and Bianca in a rest in a different restaurant, right? Watching for the first time the press conference in which the Dragos are calling him out mm-hmm. and are trying to bait him into a fight, and just kind of the two different kind of. There's one you can tell. There's kind of like. And there's an anger in one room. Mm-hmm. There's an anger in both rooms, but it's different. Right. You know, so I really enjoyed that. You know, the so I really liked how, what they did do with uh, Yvonne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that segues nicely into um, one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie, which was the relationship between Ivan Zarago and his son, Victor. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor is played by... Um, a Romanian-born boxer, uh, Florian Montano, um, Montanu, I think. Uh, but he, like, they have so few lines yeah. in this movie, right? And so, so much of the context and the subtext of, of their characters is developed simply by watching them interact and and train yeah. right mm-hmm. 
And I just thought um, their kind of restrained and repressed emotions, uh, they both did a really great job. Because again, Dolph Lundgren is not, hes he hasn't really had a lot of roles in his acting history mm-hmm. that require subtlety. No. <laughs> you know? Um, and... And obviously, Florian is is not necessarily an actor by trade. He's a boxer. Right. He's, um, and so they both they both were able to develop some really meaningful um, moments in their movie where they're not talking. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where they're just you see kind of how their lives work. And almost the fact that they are silent together so frequently uh, tells you a lot about their relationship, mm-hmm. right? That is that is distant and cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, Victor Victor Drago is is clearly you get to watch him grow up, and he's very much um, like want he has emotions and he wants to express them, mm-hmm. and he's just not allowed to. Right. You know, um, he wants to please his father, which is clear, yeah. you know, and his father, uh, you, you know, I, th- I think they did a good job with Ivan Drago training his son in the same way that he was trained. Right. Which is without emotion, without, mm. you know, any sense of feeling or, con- you know, like uh-huh. just you are a machine and you must work. Yeah. Um, and and yet Victor wants more than that from his dad and from his mom. And so you see these areas where he is, he's lashing out and he's really angry and he's hurt, you know, that his, you discover that through uh, this movie, uh, Ludmilla, who is Brigitte Nelson, Mm -hmm. um, who's his wife in the first one, has left him, has left Yvonne uh, after this fight that, um, and so he's he's wanting to please his father, but he's wanting to win back the approval of his absent mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the the two times that he runs into her, both have very dramatic reactions from him. The first one, he's very angry. Yeah, um, he's angry at his dad for what he sees as his dad's weakness. Like, why would yeah. you go crawling back to these guys? Why do you need yeah. their approval? I don't know her, is right. what he says as he points to his mother. And it's not one of my favorite things, but I really like that scene. Yeah. Because it just makes them so much sense. You see Yvonne so happy that he's being welcomed back. Mm-hmm. Right. And his son is like, where the fuck have these people been? Right. You know, where, and they're near here now because suddenly we're, I'm winning fights. And now, now all of a sudden, they're good with you again. That's bullshit. Right. I love that. Yeah, I do too. And it's so great. Um, and then you see, um, you know, but yet you can still see that he's a little boy who wants his, his mother's approval because um, his mother shows up to the fight, the yeah. final fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she leaves once she realizes he's losing. Yeah. And there's a point in time where they show Victor look over and see the empty chairs. And it's like there's nothing in his body that changes. But you watch his face. Yeah. And you see the moment he just has lost the will to fight anymore. Mm. Like he's just done. I can't like I can't believe she left again. 
Um, and it's a very powerful moment because again, that it, you know, the, the fight has, has been shifting, but from that point on, he's not fighting with the same kind of passion or rage that he had before. He's kind of just done. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I like, I just like how, again, through body language and through what's not said, you see the evolution of his relationship with his dad, where even his dad accepts like, you know, I haven't been doing this right. And and he throws in the towel. Like, that's right. the big thing. And honestly, I should have expected that moment in the movie, but I didn't. Because all these movies, they're boxing movies, right? They're supposed right. to end with a knockout. Or they're supposed to end when it's come down to a split decision and somebody wins, you know, 51 to mm-hmm. 50 or whatever. Um but in this case, his dad throws in the towel. His dad mm-hmm. gives in. And that's pretty impressive. And then he tries to go and comfort his son. And you can tell that his son is just not even, not, doesn't even know what to do with that. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I just thought their relationship and the evolution of their relationship was really, really powerful. Um, especially since the first draft of the, of the script was supposed to call for a knockout. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the director, uh, Capel, Capel Jr., mm. uh, Stephen Capel Jr., um, he says, you know, like there was a first draft and we we didn't want to do it that way. We wanted to do something different, you know? Right. And so I just thought that that was... That was really, really powerful yeah. to me. So anyway, yeah. I I like that. I like their relationship. Yeah. Well, and I'll talk more about the end of the, the that fight later. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So for my second thing, I'm going to say, and this was tough. There was like, there was a lot of things I kind of liked equally, mm-hmm. but there wasn't there was wasn't a one any one thing that really was like other than like Rocky and Victor was like the one thing that I loved. And there was a bunch of things that I just kind of liked equally. Rocky and Yvonne. Yeah, Rocky and Yvonne, yeah. Uh, so I went ahead and for the second one, I picked the portrayal of Adonis and Bianca uh, finding out that they're going to have a baby. That was my number two as well. Just the, uh, well, it might be, maybe we have different perspectives on it. But mine was like, you know, here we have this young, now wealthy, famous couple Right, uh, they're like they're living in Phil. They're like the king and queen of Philadelphia, essentially now. Right, you know. And then during this movie, they end up getting up and moving to Los Angeles, and it's nothing for them to just get up and move to Los Angeles. Right, no stress in that. We can handle that. You know, load up our stuff, take a have a car pick us up and take us to the airport, fly to L.A., and we're in our loft. Right, you know, because you know we're we're in you know we're living a place a of privilege life. now, big big time, you know. And then, and then they're in a bathroom peeing on a stick, mm-hmm. and they're scared kids. Right. They're absolutely fr- scared kids. What do we do? You know, there's no, you know, whatever. How many ever zeros is in your bank account? You know, can't buy uh, away the fear of what do you do? What you know? I don't know how to take care of a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, how am I going to screw this up? Right. You know, those fears everybody can relate to, regardless of economic status. And, you know, them in the bathroom, freaking out, um, 
after the really funny scene where Felicia Rashad, mm-hmm. you know, is like, oh, well, clearly she's pregnant. And like when they were about, they were trying to break the news that he was going to take this fight to her. And she was like, oh, well, and she was like, oh, well, clearly you're going to tell me she's pregnant because she is. And they're right. like, what? No. And the next thing you know, cut to them taking a pregnancy test and right. <laughs> freaking out. And so just because uh, I had to have something in my three that involved Tessa Thompson. Right. Because she's, uh, that character still is just so honest, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and a lot of other movies where the couple, there's somebody is holding back, you know, they're holding some, they're lying about something or they're holding back an emotion or I can't tell him a thing because it'll hurt his feelings. And she's, Bianca isn't that. Right. She is straight with Adonis. All the time, every time. Right. And I love that about her. And so I picked this particular scene because it was, you know, brought them back down to earth. Yeah. So that's my second favorite thing. Um, I will say, again, I think I said this in the first, when we um, reviewed the first one, mm-hmm. first Creed, is that they are a very, they're a depiction of a very healthy relationship. Yeah. You know, where they um, argue, but they but they communicate. Mm-hmm. They talk to each other about how they're feeling. They talk to each other about their fears, the, the things that they want to do. Um, and they are partners. Yes. Right? And I think that you just don't see that in a lot of yeah. movies these days where there's a healthy relationship going Someone on. is stubbornly wrong just to be stubbornly wrong for no logical reason. Right. You know. Typically, but not with them because mm-hmm. they're because they are depicted as you know actual grown-ups, right? You know, and so I think in this one too, yeah, like clearly a baby wasn't in their plan, right? Right, so they're mm-hmm. they're both like, oh, oh yeah. shit, yeah, we Bianca have to was, reevaluate. Bianca was going to be doing concerts, mm-hmm. right? Here's going on like doing festivals in the summer or whatever, right? Right, and so now you know her plan is changing, mm-hmm. so. Um, and I guess I was I was wrong. It's less them finding out they were pregnant, but it was about them um, dealing with the pregnancy and kind of Rocky's role in as like advisor, yeah. you know, uh-huh. <laughs> through it. Um, because I love that when um, Rocky comes back, right um, after. So Adonis has lost the fight. Rocky shows up at the hospital. Well, he doesn't lose the fight, but he gets the hell beaten out of him. Right. But he wins because uh, Victor Drago does a really dirty... He Adonis is down on a knee and he hits him. Right. And that is an instant disqualification. Correct. So, okay, fine. But he... Okay, he doesn't... He doesn't lose the fight by fight rules, but he loses the fight because he's put in the hospital. Right. Right. With mm-hmm. broken ribs and a... Ruptured kidney. Right. And concussion. Yeah. All sorts, all of, sorts stuff. of stuff. And, um, you know, Rocky rushes to the airport and... Mm. Or rushes to the hospital. And, you know, Bianca... Bianca doesn't say a thing. She, she just... She gives him a hug. Like, she's so glad to see him. And even she's like... You know, he comes into the hospital room and... Um, Adonis is is angry and he's scared and he's hurting and he, mm-hmm. he's lashing out, and Bianca's like, "Wait, no, no, you guys are supposed to make up now, you know." Yeah. Um, and of course they don't, so they they go back on their way and Adonis is struggling, but he when Rocky comes back at, at Marianne's request, mm-hmm. that's the part that I think is so, um, such a great moment because again it depicts 
people working through um, differences or pain without it being over over the top crazy like so many you know dramas Mm -hmm. would have you do like he comes back um, again they talk um, he talks with Adonis Adonis is able to finally like share kind of what's going on with him Mm -hmm. and then they then they have to rush to the airport or rush to the the hospital hospital, because the baby's coming yeah right Um, and uh, and the scene that I like about that is when Rocky um, after the baby is born um, you know, a baby Amara, they want to do a test to see if she's inherited um, the genetic condition condition that Bianca has, and if like, she's uh, going to be deaf. Right. Right. And so she, he's like freaking out, and Rocky says, "So what happens if she can't hear?" Yeah, this was good. This right. Was really good. And Adonis is like, "Well, I just can't think that way. I just can't think that way. I just have to think, focus on the positive." And mm-hmm. Rocky's like. But you can't think that way. What happens? Right. What happens if she's deaf? Right. You know, and Adonis is like, why are you saying this? And he's starting to like get all agitated. And Rocky goes, are you going to not love her if she's deaf? Just says it. Just right. says it. Doesn't yes. doesn't pull any punches. Doesn't like get there, you know, in a roundabout way. He just says like, what if she's deaf? Are you right. just not going to love her as much? And Adonis, of course, gets really mad. And he's like, of course, I'm going to love her. And Rocky goes, so there you go. Right. Like, there you go. You know you're going to love her. Right. So everything else is just, it. like, it's just details, you know? Like, and so I just think those moments are, they're very real mm-hmm. moments. And they're super, um, again, they just demonstrate this really, I don't know, a really positive relationship like how do you have those hard conversations about hard stuff Mm -hmm. um but when you are based on a foundation of trust when you're talking to somebody who you know like you just implicitly know cares about you Uh um you're able to have these really frank and raw conversations right and i like and he's forcing him to look at the a, a, the reality, right? A real, I mean, he was his his instant response was, "Well, I can't think like that," because you know, well, because he's a professional athlete, and that's just kind of, you know. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, this isn't training for the next your next fight, you know. Where of course you can't let yourself think that you're going to lose, right? But that's you know, but that's not that what this is, right? You know, you have no control over whether or not she's going to be deaf. So mm-hmm. if she is, now what? Because that's a real thing. You gotta con- you gotta face." Right. And he forcing him to, to to confront it in the way that he does is pretty great. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just think that whole Rocky returning into their lives in L.A. is great. Mm. It is, um, you know, just even how seamlessly Rocky begin, moves back into training mm-hmm. Adonis with uh, Little Duke Burton. Right? right, the guy who ha- who was training him from mm-hmm. Delphi, yeah, um, Delphi gym. Right? right, I was really glad they didn't just like shunter him off to the side. Right, that was going to bother me if Adonis goes to start training with like a predominantly all African American crew, but now but they need the white savior to come back. Right, right, and just Rocky's uh, back. I was going to be bothered by that. So. But but they didn't, but and they, I just thought like how 
awesome. Again, it shows kind of like much a much more authentic process, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the like little Duke just I mean, he he recognized like this is this is Rocky. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah, my dad trained at like Apollo, but like that's Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so he um he respects him. You know, he mm-hmm. treats Rocky with respect and he just kind of welcomes him into the partnership. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. and so the of course the training montage out in the desert. Right. Well, of course they had to do a counterpoint. Like couldn't be in Siberia. In the snow, right. right? Sure. In the snow, they yeah, had to be in, in the heat. In the desert, yeah. But they're working together. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they just develop a partnership where they say, "All right, we're going to do this. We are both in his corner." Yeah. And I thought that was, again, subtle, but brilliant and powerful. That, you know, Rocky's not just going to... Like, he doesn't, like, bail on Delphi, Jim, and yeah. and little Duke Burton. He doesn't just walk away and be like, oh, clearly you don't believe in me enough. Yeah. That they're, we, they're able to find a way for all of them to work together. Mm. And I just thought that was... Um, that was brilliant, you know, because again, so much about this movie is, and the first one too, is about the fact that like, it is possible for people to be grownups and and live life. And that in and of itself is really, really powerful. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. For my last thing, I I just am going with the, the final fights, mm-hmm. uh, the rematch in Russia. And it's a you know it's a really fun watch that whole final fight, mm-hmm. um, and you know like uh, they well shot. Um, at one point, um, Yvonne tells his son, you know, hey, you know, you know, break his ribs again. Yeah, and so he does a, a I assume an illegal thing, <laughs> or right. he like you know kind of arm bars him and then gets him in the side a couple of times. And I really like that because when he goes back in the corner after he's done it. And he sits down. To me, and they don't implicitly say this, but to me, he acts as if he's not hes not ha- proud of that. He's ashamed. He's ashamed of what he's done. Right. And then his, but uh, his father is like, good job. Now that when you go back out there, you know, try to go, go high and then go low. You know, essentially, you know, try to get his guard up so you can hit him in the ribs again. And I was almost expecting him to ignore his father's advice mm-hmm. because he was so ashamed of what, of that. Because that's what his face, he did a good job of portraying. I don't know how I feel about that. Right. I don't think I should have done that. That wasn't right. And um, and then, you know, and then they get to a point where they do bring back the old Bill Conti, you know, uh, score from the original movie again, uh, which is fine. Uh, I not, like not, it. Yeah, me too. I'm not as powerful as the first one, but uh, but still, I like that they, they still did it. Uh, I like the black trunks that still had like kind of the silhouetted stars and stripes yeah that uh that michael b jordan was wearing and then the ending which you've already talked about which i called in the theater i leaned over like before they got to the final round and i was like i, and I was like drago's gonna throw in the towel mm-hmm. and as i feel as like and but and even though i was able to predict it and i saw it coming i'm fine with it mm-hmm. you know it doesn't i don't think it, every everything doesn't have to be a surprise to be good right you know, I think it makes sense, you know, get to this point um, where, you know, where I think uh, Yvonne has 
kind of seen his son as a tool of revenge almost mm-hmm. until he gets to this point where all of a sudden all the things he thinks he wanted are deserting him again, mm-hmm. you know, and he's losing again. And all of a sudden all I have left is my son and oh my God, he's getting the hell beat out of him. Right. And it makes, and I, it really makes sense because that guy is so much bigger than Michael B. Jordan. Right. It, I think it makes physical sense that he could take that, that the smaller man would be hitting him the way that cre- that uh, Adonis is and he wouldn't go down. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a logistical sense that right. leads to him needing to throw in the towel. Because I've seen fights like that where a guy is getting beaten, but for whatever reason, just won't go off his feet. Right. And it's really scary. And I could logistically, because of the difference in size, the two guys could see that for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's well shot, really you know, fun fight to watch, and I do enjoy the like the throwing in the towel. Like Drago, you know, the villain of Rocky Four, you know, does the thing that Rocky, you know, to this day will forever feel guilty that he was unable to do. That he right. wasn't able to throw in the towel to save Apollo's life, but uh, but uh, Yvonne does it for his son, which I thought mm-hmm. was I really liked that a lot. Right, I liked it too. I thought it was a again it. It ended in a way that was still, I don't know, it respects the fight, respects the game, mm-hmm. you know, versus the the one, two, knockout punch type yeah. of thing, you know, mm-hmm. because again, Creed loses in the first one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it gets down to the wire and he loses, but he earns the respect right. of, of his, of the industry. And in this one... Like, it's the hero's journey, and I'll talk a little bit about this later. Mm -hmm. So you knew he was going to win. Right. But a knockout would have been, I don't know. Too easy. So cliche. Right. I mean, in boxing movies, it's tough because there's only so many ways a fight can end. Right. But both movies do a good job of ending the climactic fight in a way that you expect and yet kind of don't. Right. You know? Like, you know, Creed loses loses in the first movie, but it happens in a way that... You know, you you still feel, you know, satisfied. Right. Yeah. Again, he he's earned the respect of his opponent right. and of the industry. Like, mm-hmm. okay, Creed is not just some kid who's living off his daddy's name. Yeah. He's a boxer. Yeah. And in this one, you have the, well, you know, a knockout would be great. You know, just you prove it. And, and in this case, no. You know, it is two people who are fighting for... Um, kind of like personal honor, you know, so they can't give up. Right. Victor cannot, cannot fall down because his dad has trained him. Like you, you have, you must do this. This is for our family name. Mm -hmm. This is for our honor. This is for us. Like it's the only way we ever get back. And then, and Creed is fighting for his dad, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, they're both fighting for their father's legacies. And so neither of them can fall down. Mm -hmm. And it takes, it takes somebody from that previous, they're, they're fighting, they're fighting each other for a previous generation's war. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it takes that previous generation to come in and And be like, that's enough. No, we're not. Yeah. 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 So. So. All All right. right. Um, I will say, uh. Something I did like about that scene before I get to my third was the fact that he, uh, his when he, his opening song, like what he comes out to, is his fiance's 
singing is Tessa Thompson as Bianca that she's doing the song. Mm -hmm. So again, it kind of highlights again that partnership between them. Yeah. And he, she's a, a musician. She's a, an artist and she's, for him to come out to a song and to really, you know, yeah. they say earlier, like, this is different because this you and I are a team. Right. Um, so how appropriate for him to really allow her a and, moment in right. the spotlight. Yeah, instead of her being just, you know, the girlfriend slash wife who sits right. at ringside, she's walking to the rink with him. Right. She's part of the, like, with his trainer, with his coaches, with all the crew. She's right. with, yeah, that was great. I thought that was really good. Um, and so that leads me to my third uh, thing that I really liked about this movie is that it is a reminder um, that this is, this is a, a drama. This is a melodrama. Mm-hmm. It is not a, with boxing scenes in it. Yeah. It isn't an action flick. No. About boxing mm-hmm. that kind of has a story written to it. Right. You know? It, there are so many quiet moments in this movie. You know, there are only three real boxing matches, Correct. right? Yep. The, the start, uh, the middle where he, you know, he gets hurt, and mm-hmm. then the and final then, one, right? right? Everything mm-hmm. else is about develop, developing them as people and their com- the complex lives that they leave and the decisions that they have to make and the relationships um, that they have with each other and how that they can both, uh, you know, build up those relationships or harm those relationships, but that relationships are stronger than, you know, an argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just think that um, there are so many quiet moments in this movie that are great. Um, the... Um, you talked about the scene where Bianca and Adonis find out that they are pregnant. Yeah. Right. Which is a, which is a great moment. Mm-hmm. Um, just even when Rocky first comes to the hospital, when Adonis has been hurt and the scene where he's kind of like nervous and he's talking to Bianca and she just walks right up to him and gives yeah. him a huge hug. As you can tell, he's not sure. You right. know, is she, does she, is he, is she also angry with me? Cause I wasn't there. Right. Yeah. And instead, she just hugs him. Yeah. You know? Like, it's such a great moment and a beautiful scene. Because yeah. he loves her, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, the the scene where Felicia Rashad and Adonis, you know, Adonis tells her, I'm going to fight. Right. Um, Yvonne, you know, Victor, Victor Drago. Drago. Yeah. And she's like, and Felicia Rashad is angry mm-hmm. at him. And, but, I mean, she doesn't lash out at him there's no you know? lecture right right you know she just is very clear like you've already made this decision and so i don't know what you're asking me for right like you're asking me are you asking me to be okay with it are you asking me for permission are you asking me what are you asking me for yeah because you've decided to do this regardless of how i feel so you know, go ahead and do it, but don't pretend this is about your dad, you know? Right. And I think that that's, that's a great reminder that, like, she's the one who's lived without him, you know? And Adonis has never really gotten to know him, but she did get to know him and lost him. Right. And so, you know, that pain there between the two of them was really great. It's, yeah. it's just really nice. Um, and so once again, it's, 
there are tense moments and there are dramatic moments that propel the story forward versus um, a, a director and a writer needing to tell a story and trying to figure out, like, how do I create the drama in it? Mm-hmm. And trying to artificially create moments that don't necessarily need to be there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I just, I think that's my number three. That a reminder that the, the sequel did a great job of doing what the first one did really well, which was this is a, a, a story first and boxing and it surrounds the boxing world. Mm-hmm. Not, I want to, t- I want to do a boxing movie and I need a story to fit. <laughs> to you, right. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought they did a really great job with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, is there any like honorable mentional, honorable mentionable things? You honorable want to mentionable things? Yeah. Um, I think so. I think, so you, you know, you talked about when Adonis and Bianca find out they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then I talked about them discovering that baby Amara is going, is deaf. Right, is, the, or has the scene the, where they test her. Right. Um, the, the final scene with that, that I think is super powerful is the scene where she leaves Adonis with baby Amara. Yeah. Right. She goes, I've got to get out of here. I'm going to go to the studio for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Can you take care of her? And of yeah. course he's like, of course, of course I, can. I can. Right. Right. And then the baby won't stop crying. But, and that scene is fine, but it's the moment where she comes back and he's lying on the floor mm-hmm. and um, the baby is asleep on top of him and she lies down next to him and, you know, and he, you know, he talks about her being a fighter, just yeah. like his mother. Um, and she looks, she turns and looks at him and she realizes like he's back. Right. Like I have my, I have the man that I love back. Yeah. And you can just see the like hopefulness and the joy in her face. Yeah. And he turns and looks at her. And it's so reminiscent of the scene in the first one where they're lying on the floor. Right. You know, looking at each, each other. other. And I think that's a great moment for the mm-hmm. for the two of them. Yeah. Um and, so that's great. And that's I would say like, like kinda I don't know, conversely or inversely, because prior to that, because she gets him back because he is Messed up. They do a good job, I think, of portraying him. Because after when he, you know, after the first fight with Drago, where he gets hurt so bad, like almost like he's dealing with PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, try he was hurt so badly, but yet he's still the champion, mm-hmm. right? But so, how does that make you feel? I'm still technically the guy with the belt, but everybody saw me get just wrecked. Right. So what? How do I deal with that? You know, where's you know, where's my you know the the sort of confidence and ego you have to have to be a prize fighter is you know off the chart. So how you deal with getting that back besides just getting yourself right physically, you know, mentally, you know, there's the scene where he goes to the gym and he's just sitting in his car, right? And can't get out of his. He car. can't get out of his car, and uh, little um, little Duke, little Duke comes out and talks to him. Hey, come on in, hit the bag, you know, blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. And he okay goes back inside, and I was like, "Hey, I leaned over to you. He's driving away, right? Yeah, and he does. He backs out and he drives away. And so, you mean, without explicitly come out and like kind of hitting you over the head with like some psychologist saying, you know, you're dealing with post traumatic, you know, whatever. It was more subtly done, mm-hmm. kind of the trauma that was afflicted on him 
and him trying to get over, deal with it and get past it, I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, Along with the moment of Bianca and Marianne having that conversations yep. where mm-hmm. Bianca is talking to Marianne about it. Yeah. And, and Marianne says, this will happen. Yeah. You know, just That's... her in her wisdom of being the wife of a boxer, mm-hmm. he'll get through it, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. And I've I also liked in the, the first um, Adonis fight where he fights... Uh, Danny Stuntman Weaver, right? You know another guy they pull from the first movie, who knocked Adonis the hell out, you know, uh, to win his Mustang, right? And I like that he wins that fight to become the champion. But in the aftermath of that fight, when he's in the ring after he's won, he seems more interested in that he's won his Mustang back, right? Give me the keys. Then he is, but then he is that he's the, you know, the champion, right? Which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think that that is, it's another example of how Adonis is so hot-headed, right? Mm-hmm. And that he, he fights, it, it, Rocky reminds him, you know, consistently reminds him to think about boxing, um, doing something that you, you do because you, you know, you love it and you want right. to, that's what you want to do, but also be smart about it. Right. Why are you fighting? Right. Why are you fighting this person? And he starts that at the, he, he does that at the beginning. Why mm-hmm. are you fighting? Yeah. And then, and then he ends that way too. Like, why are you fighting? And I think that that is such a critical component because he, he loses he loses his cool at the press conference with Victor Drago, you know, in the fight with uh, with Wheeler. He is arguing about his keys. Give me my keys, right? right? You know? So it's all about ego and passion versus thinking about it being a strategic right. game as mm. well. So uh, any other honorable mentions for you? Uh, I don't think so. How about you? Um, you know, I was trying to think about that. I think that I've talked about all of most, well, most of the parts that I liked. Uh Um, I did. I just, I thought that they did a a good job. I even thought that the desert montage, Mm -hmm. you know, the training montage. Okay. Was pretty good. It was all right. I, I think that it, 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 it was expected i guess <laughs> yeah i mean well of course there was going to be a training montage right b- before the big before the big climactic man fight so. Mm-hmm. so uh but even that i thought was pretty good mm-hmm. you know where he's taking ice baths because he's so pain you know yeah. in so much pain mm-hmm. so all right anything anything you didn't like um well a couple of things i didn't like and then just some things that I feel are not necessarily I didn't like, which is kind of like more like missed opportunities. Okay. Um, uh, Brigitte Nielsen being in this movie to me felt like a stunt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then she showed up. I mean, just to just to like really, really hit you over the head with. Apparently, she was a bad lady. Right. She was really selfish. She <laughs> was. I mean. Her husband got the hell beat out of him and lost a boxing match, and she left him. Right. And then walks back in for a hot second, and then once her son is getting the hell beat out of him, fuck this, I'm leaving again. Right. That they actually got her to be in a couple of scenes. To me, felt like once I saw what they used her for, felt like a stunt. 
and mm. I did not like that. Okay. Interesting. It, yeah, it definitely highlights, like, she's a terrible human being, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I will say, though, that as much as I, because I like Brigitte Nelson, um, I will say that I, I appreciated the flipped script. How often is it that it's the dad who abandons, sure, you know, his yeah. child and the mother of his child to let to be left to fend for themselves while mm-hmm. he goes and finds a trophy wife and you know and creates right. a new identity for himself. And so to be able to see that that script flipped a little bit, where right. she, I mean, it, she doesn't just leave Drago and take her son. Right? right to go and like live a different life mm-hmm. and pretend that like oh that's your dad but like we don't talk about him mm-hmm. i mean she flat out left her son as well right to go find a trophy husband essentially One and presumes, to go yeah. right to go live a different life to maintain her prestige that she felt she deserved yeah and and there's an element of flipped the flipped script that sure. I, I appreciated uh-huh. and I respected. Okay. I, I can see what you're saying yeah. too as well, but I did I did appreciate that yeah. level of again, it, it it dug the knife home for Ivan Drago too. Like right. being forced. Oh sure. Like, oh, the consequence of me and my son kind of be, getting elevated in in society again. Mm-hmm. Is now I have to come back into contact with her and kind of relive that humiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. So I, I just I, there was a piece of that that I yeah. thought was an interesting flip. I just felt with like a movie with you know both movies you know filled with so much like subtlety and that they just you know used her like this sledgehammer of you know mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, she's just she was just a bad mom apparently. Right. I don't know. And uh, and plus, when they had that great scene, the dinner scene, where like uh, uh, Victor gets so mad, and he mm-hmm. even says out loud, "You know, I don't know who that woman is. I don't know her." Right. So it kind of bothered me when she shows up at the fight and then leaves. I was like, "Well, why the fuck would he care? Right. He just made he just made it abundantly clear she's not been a part of my life. I don't know who she is." Well, because every little boy ultimately wants the approval of his parents. I guess. Um, but you know, I don't have that experience, so uh, I, you know, I could be completely wrong. But it right. just, it, to me, it struck me as like why, did, why I can understand why it would bother his father, mm-hmm. and that made all of sense. Like his performance on Ringside is great, but when uh, when uh, Victor sees his mom leave, I was like, well, why would he care? Right. You know, he should be just be mad that she was there in the first place. <laughs> uh, another thing that bothered me, and I don't want to get, and I hate getting like sports nerd, especially since I'm not like a boxing aficionado at all. But from the first kind of trailers, when you see uh, Michael B. Jordan standing, you know, in, in a ring next to um, Victor Drago, Victor Drago, Florian, the, the difference in size is so abundant. I was like, there's no way they're the same weight class. <laughs> there's not. And it and I even went and looked it up. So in the first movie, he Adonis is even asked by that one trainer, you know, whose son he fights. Right. Um, you know, hey, hey, Hollywood, how much you weigh? And he says something like 175, 180. Right. Which would make him a cruiserweight. And I feel, I remember it being abundantly clear that he was not a heavyweight fighter in the first movie. That he was fighting a lower weight class. Because that was one of the things I loved about the first movie. Is anytime they show a new professional fighter 
that he was having to deal with. That like the, there would like be like the statistics screen would pop up, right? Yeah, you know, the name, weight, you know, reach, all these record and statistics mm-hmm. of all these guys, and I loved that. I missed that in this movie, but uh, you know, but they are all they were all. I don't think any of them were heavyweights, but in this movie, they make it clear that this is for the heavyweight championship of the world, right? And I have a hard time buying that Michael B. Jordan is a heavyweight. <laughs> So a cruiserweight limit is 200 pounds. So I guess I could buy him bulking up to, you know, just enough, you know, to cross over into the heavyweight division. But that they, I don't know, it just bothered me because there's just such a massive difference in size that they would be allowed to fight at all <laughs> is a little weird. Um, but yeah, but uh, other than that. That's the only things I kind of disliked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get it. You know, you want him fighting a monster, you know, for dramatic reasons. Right. Especially when the last name is Drago. Right. Because um, Dolph Lundgren is yeah. a monster, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I he mean, was way taller than Stallone. Correct. But Stallone was also just so broad and steroid-filled that I absolutely believed he was a heavyweight. Right. Yeah. But by the time you get but to Adonis the last movie, more... Adonis is th- thick. I mean, I think I even leaned over during the initial fight sequence where Adonis is fighting um, Wheeler. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, he, Michael B. Jordan bulked up because he is physically mm-hmm. bigger yeah. in the second movie than he is in the first. Yeah. So. Um, and then other little things, just little things that the first movie, um, just little like real world boxing things that really like filled out and just felt so real like in all the fights in the first movie there is that guy at ringside who just and they still do this to this day there's a guy at ringside with two pieces of wood you know here in the 21st century when there's 30 seconds left on the round clap two pieces of wood together so the fighters know there's 30 seconds left and that was in every fight all the little things that happen behind the scenes where they're, you know, mm-hmm. wrapping their wrists and a guy got, got to come inspect them. And just, you know, kind of the, the, the entire staff that works with a fighter being there. You know, I feel that, that some of that stuff was missing. Those moments really made the first one kind of seem more real and more special in a way. Mm-hmm. And there's just more ring stuff. You know, you see uh, there's, I mean... You see, you know, Drago in Russia, you know, you know, knocking some fools out, you know, but the the ring stuff wasn't done as well. I don't feel like camera work in ring was not nearly as good as the first movie. Okay. Um, just little things like that. I just feel like I was really looking forward to them, you know, pulling the Dragos into this movie. And I think they had a chance to make this really special. And it just, just wasn't, you know, it was good. Like kind of a missed opportunity to do something really next level with the Dragos. Because after they show up and they do the press conference and after the scene in the restaurant, they kind of go away. Well, they have training scenes as well. Yeah. So. Just, uh, yeah. But but for me, you know, I just. Yeah. I, know, I just feel that it became almost a little too paint by numbers. And just. And, Interesting. Because. Yeah. Because I would say, I mean, the one thing I, there were two things I, I, I can't even say I didn't like, but I was disappointed in with this movie. Um, and I'll, and I'll talk about those, but I also felt that there, there might've been missed opportunities 
But then once I thought about, well, what were the opportunities that they could have taken? Mm-hmm. I preferred what they did. So, um, for example, uh, Bobby Marcel, right? The promoter who yeah. at the start, I mean, he's lurking mm-hmm. in the ring, watching the Dragos, and then he's lurking at, you know, the fight with... At the concert. Right, at the concert. Like, he just, he's he's kind of lurking, and you kind of go, oh, oh, he's got a villainous, sure, like, secondary plot, right? There's right. something that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. No, there's nothing else that happens, right? He right. he promotes the fight, and he even says like that's that's the job, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and you don't, nobody believes him when he says that, right? right? Um, but but whatever his villainous secondary plot is, just never never exists, never comes up. Yeah. And but I appreciated that because I felt hmm. that would have been so cliche, you know. And you talk about there was, you know, what they could have done with the Dragos. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, what is it that they could have done that wouldn't have felt forced or, or, um, I don't know, like over, overdone, right? Um, I think there could have been many things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, possibly. I guess I just thought whenever I started to go down that pathway thinking about it, I kind of thought, well, if they had made too much of a deal of X, of you know, of the promoter, Mm -hmm. or uh, if there had been a more sinister motivation um, for the Dragos, then it would have felt more forced to me, more unreal. Mm. And and I don't know, so I, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm clearly not a, a screenwriter. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so I just those were things that I I thought about as I came up with the things that I that maybe I didn't like, and ultimately the things that I didn't like were the fact that Tessa Thompson plays a much more traditional role in this movie for me mm-hmm. of of the partner. The aggrieved partner whose um, fiance goes off and fights, does this fight that she doesn't even want him to do. And mm-hmm. then he's distant from her. And, you know, and in the first movie, she is very much an independent person. She is, she's got a career that she's pursuing. Um, and in this one, they, they allude to that. But she is... She's more relegated, I felt, in many ways, to the supportive fiancé, right? My mm-hmm. role is to simply support him in his dream and his goals and set aside anything that I want. Yeah. And and so that was disappointing because um, Tessa Thompson and Ryan Coogler had worked so hard to build a more complex character in the first one. Yeah. So that that disappointed me. Yeah, they had the one line where she's where she says, "Oh, I have a I signed a record deal and mm-hmm. I'm replaying festivals." Right. You know, and I mean, them speaking to how you know how she could. I mean, then she says, "Well, I'm going to go to the studio." Right. You know, it's another thing. But yeah, if they could have spoken more to her career, you know, and how they were going to you know, how they were going to work their careers together so that they could both right pursue you know their passions. 
mm-hmm. now that they have a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that was a disappointing part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, I mean, part of it is I don't know that I I'm disappointed, but I I think that I, I mean, I am. It's that um, this was very much the stereotypical hero's journey. Yeah. I mean, that's a literary device. It is. Right? Yeah. Um, and in the first movie, they sort of bucked that trend in that... Um, but in this movie, they completed the hero's journey. So really, you have to look at the two of them together and say, mm-hmm. oh, so movie one is just really the first part of the hero's journey where he develops his, you know, his purpose. He finds his mentor. Mm-hmm. He finds his um, supporting cast, you know, who's right. going to be there to support him. And he builds up and he's and he succeeds at his goal. Yeah. Right? Well, that's the whole first movie. The second movie is where you see the hero's inevitable uh, fall from grace, where, you know, the, the thing, it, with a capital T, the thing happens to him. Where the hero is brought low, right, and the hero has to figure out how to come back from that, yeah, and finally comes back to succeed and overcome, yeah, his demons, right, mm-hmm. or the challenge, and so I, I think that it was, I was a little disappointed that ultimately that's what it was, yeah, um. Because taken together, the first two movies, you, you know, with the two movies, you complete the hero's journey. If you just look at the first one, you have a really compelling story right. of just a person yeah. trying to get uh, to be taken seriously in the uh, career that he wants, in, right. his, in, the, in the career path he's chosen. And so I was just disappointed that ultimately they took Creed two. And turned it into the completion of the hero's journey. Um, so, I mean, it was just a little disappointing. But again, it's also a such a common literary device that mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised. Right. Yeah. It was. It was like I said. It's, it becomes a little paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a little bit of a bummer. Which is why I feel it was like it was a missed opportunity. Right. Um, I wonder what would have happened if Ryan Coogler had been more yeah. involved in writing the screenplay. Yeah, because I feel that because Sylvester Stallone did have a hand in writing this, and I feel it shows. Um, there are, I mean, it's good. I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, but it is at times a little corny, um, <laughs> rocky. Um, there's a few times where it's like it's clear, like, oh, well, here comes the Rocky wisdom speech. And and they're fine, but it like the first movie those happen organically, all the time. Where I'm never like questioning, you know. Where in this movie it feels like you know it's almost if, if you just I just for some reason I can't put my finger on it. It just felt a lot more artificial. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, and again, I think because this one followed followed the formula yeah. a little bit more than the first one did. Yeah. So. Again, I just wonder what would have happened if uh, Kugler had been more involved. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. in that screenplay. But he's off uh, busy 
mm-hmm. working on Black Panther 2. Yeah. And we definitely do not want to divert him from those efforts because, <laughs> yeah. you know, some yeah. of us are really looking forward to that movie. Mm-hmm. So I get it. <laughs> but I mean, that's not to say, I mean, I hope this movie does. And it did pretty well this opening weekend. So, I mean, right. I would be completely happy if there's another one. Oh, yeah. You know, down, you know, another third Creed movie. Um, I think they did, they did a good job with this sequel. Yeah. And oftentimes sequels fall dramatically off from the first. Yeah. And I don't think this is the case. It's not a, like, I, I was trying to think of where have we seen sequels surpass the mm-hmm. first one? And the, the first one that came to mind was, um, uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Right? Um, the Dark Knight is vastly superior yeah. to the first one. Um, this is, like, Creed 2 is not vastly superior no. to the first one. But I think it does, it is a solid sequel. Yeah. It does not fall prey to what uh, a theory that I've had for a long time when it comes to Hollywood sequels. Particularly, particularly like, you know, major studio, big budget things. You know, a first movie does good. Well, the second movie needs to be bigger. bigger. Yes. More and explosions. Bigger. Bigger means better. And no, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily have to be better. Just take what you had before and tell another good story. Right. And see what happens. Mm-hmm. And maybe it will be better. Uh, but, you know, but but trying to force it to be a bigger thing than the first usually results in... Uh, terribleness travesty right yeah so and i and i think that they at least they at least did avoided that trap you know for certain it is it is a solid sequel yeah i mean do having a double feature night we're watching the two of these movies back to back i would totally down with yep i would be completely enthralled with the first one and then you know be okay with occasionally going to get popcorn during the second one (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i i I will say though, I did like the second one. I thought it was yeah, me it too. was it was a it was a good solid sequel to the mm-hmm. first one. Not as good as the first one. No. Because I felt Creed the first Creed told um, a story and part of it I think is because going into it it would be easy to expect that that one would have a very specific kind of approach. Yeah. You know, and that it wasn't going to be good. Um, But it was. Creed was so good. Yeah. I think we did. I think that they did a great job with the sequel in Mm. telling another compelling story. Yeah. I agree. So. All right. So is that that where we're going to leave it? I think so. Okay. All right. So we always end uh, the podcast with uh, recommendations for the week. And you get to go first. I get to go first. I'm going to recommend another boxing movie. I'm shocked. I'm pretty sure I recommended Digstown last week. This week, I'm recommending another old boxing... Well, I shouldn't say old. But maybe it is old, depending on your age. Uh, it was from when I was in high school. It came out in 1992. It was called Gladiator. Uh, starred Cuba Gooding Jr., a young Cuba Gooding Jr. And another... Uh, Brian Dennehy was the villain. Ooh, he's a good villain. Yeah, and uh, an actor named um, James Marshall, who had a small role role in uh, A Few Good Men. Uh, not too sure what he did after that, but it's essentially these two guys are in high school together, and they um, 
fall into a world of illegal underground boxing. Ooh. And Brian Dennehy is the guy who runs the whole thing. And he's trying Ooh. to... And Cuba Gunning Jr. is the established one. He's trying to break out and start his career as a boxer. Brian Dennehy is keeping him because he's his biggest draw, making him the most money. And uh, I just, if I watched it now, I'd probably be like, wow, this is dumb. But when I was in high school, we loved this movie. Jeb, my good friend Jeb and I watched this movie so many times. Um, and it ends with um, the, uh, the, not Cuba Gooding. Cuba Gooding gets hurt. And so it falls to James Marshall challenges Brian Dennehy to fight him. Oh. And Brian Dennehy is established in the ring. Brian Dennehy challenge, comes into the ring. No gloves. It's going to be an old style bare knuckle. Oh, my God. Yeah. And a good uh, early 90s hard rock soundtrack, including a cover of Queen's We Will Rock You by Warrant. I don't even want to think about what that sounds like. Yeah. Double Horns High. It's a great song. So, yeah. Go check out uh, early 90s Gladiator. It's, it's, It's probably still pretty fun. I haven't seen it in a long time. But that's what I'm going to recommend. A little little blast from the past that maybe people have forgotten. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So in the original, uh, when we recorded our review of the original Creed, yep. I alluded to this film, but it wasn't my recommendation. Okay. And this time I'm actually just going to recommend it. Okay. And it is Girl Fight. Okay. Um, yeah. And Girl Fight came out in. Uh, it's got uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. It was her. It was really her breakout movie, I think. Um, and it is so good. It came out in two thousand, and it really talks about. Um, it approaches really good a girl who is a tomboy. You know, she's raised by her dad. Her brother is the book you know, bookworm and, uh-huh. um, they live in the projects and they're struggling to get by and he is paying for his son to go to boxing lessons and she goes instead so he can go hang out at the library. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> the brother doesn't want to do it. He goes to the library and he, and while there she's able, um, to talk her brother's trainer into training her. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I don't want to. You're a girl. Girls can't fight. And she eventually um, is able to convince him. You know, she convinces him otherwise. So he comes in and he sits down and he's like, okay, I will, um, I'll train you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's really a powerful thing because, you know, this is a girl who has a lot of repressed anger she's she doesn't fit in yeah. she doesn't feel like she can fit in there are several scenes where um she is um in she's confronted with other uh latina females who kind of conform to a to more of the role to more of a stereotype a stereotypical role that they that they feel they're supposed to to fill okay and she there's a lot of conflict there Right, because she she doesn't want to dress that way or put on that much makeup, or 
you know, behave that way around guys. Uh Um, And then her relationship that develops with a fellow boxer um, is super powerful. Um, So she ends up with um, developing a relationship with the the actor. The character's name is Adrian Sturgis, um, played by uh, Santiago Douglas. And they they get involved, and I think the more powerful part of this movie is isn't just um, Diana um, learning to become a fighter and feeling really confident in herself. Mm-hmm. It's more about her developing relationship with Adrian, who has who as much as he is attracted to her, um, and they develop this relationship, feels wants her to conform to what the what his expectations his cultural expectations are like yeah you can be a boxer but really you're just playing at being a boxer so i want you to you know so now it's time to go take a shower and get pretty and and you're not really gonna fight right right? or yeah you can fight another girl and that's super cute but you can't fight a you can't actually fight a guy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That that that's just not what girls do, and so watching Adrian develop as a character and evolve, um, especially when it comes down to the fact that of course, um, the fight that they are able to put together is a fight between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So she Diana has to fight her boyfriend Adrian, and she and they have and that's a source of conflict. Is she wants to fight. And she wants to put her, her everything into it. And he doesn't want to fight her. He's like, I can't sure. fight a girl. That yeah. would be humiliating for me right. as a Latino male mm-hmm. and a boxer who wants to be taken seriously. Um, and it, it's a it's a very compelling movie. Again, it's a drama that has boxing as part of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's really good. And I definitely would highly recommend it. Uh, we own it if you want to watch it sometime. Okay. So. All right. Sounds good. So there's your recommendations for this week. A couple of boxing movies. Uh, and I think that'll be it then for this week's edition of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. I think so. Uh, next week, maybe. We haven't talked about it. There's so many movies on our docket. I know. There's, there's the Wreck-It Ralph. There's Fantastic fun. Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. Where are they? Probably still in the case. The Crimes of Wizard Hitler. <laughs> I just love making fun of the the names of those movies because it's. I just feel that 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 title choice is just so bad. So what the crimes of Grindelwald? No, the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Okay. Name is is silly. All right, um, I can see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like there are several movies mm-hmm. that are coming out that we wanted to see. I think we may, we may skip. Uh. The Grinch, oh, I'm guessing. Oh, hell yes. I have uh, <laughs> no interest in that. However, I want to add to our list. Okay. Widows, potentially. Oh, yeah. I, it's getting really you were, strong you reviews. Were, uh, you were not into that movie the I, first time we saw the trailer. Yeah, I was not. You're but right. it's getting really strong reviews. That's true. Um, and then just for fun, mm-hmm. I feel like we need to go see Robin Hood with... <sighs> I know, I know, I know. We got time to think about it. Yeah. So. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll see you next week when we are talking about one of those things. 
We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you for listening to Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts, a lot of other podcasting apps. If you have an Android device, we suggest Podcast Republic as we always show up there. Uh, rate and view, review us at any of those places. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Send us an email. Let us know what you think uh, about Creed 2 or Creed 1 or any other movie we've done to uh, ddkpodcasting at uh, gmail.com. Uh, let us know what how you think we're doing. That'd be great. Uh, but until next week. Go see a movie. And thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>